Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. This week, the story is all about the look and the most fundamental ways in which Star Wars performers immerse themselves into their characters. It is Halloween week, uh, and in that spirit, we're counting down our top six favorite Star Wars costumes, which is a subject we've been beating around for a little bit, uh, a couple of weeks anyway. How do we interpret um, this rather broad umbrella subject, which is the clothes people wear in Star Wars? Obviously, in the galaxy far, far away, nobody's wearing jeans and t-shirts from Old Navy. Everything worn is memorable to an extent, but some are truly unforgettable. We also wanted to consider that some characters don't technically wear clothes, but the actors playing them are wearing a costume. Other characters are entirely CGI or animatronic or they're puppets, and some of them are wearing clothes. So we found some common understanding. Uh, Ross, how do you feel about the, the grounds we've landed upon together? Do you feel like you understand? Do you feel like those are fair terms? Yes, I think I kind of shifted away from the notion of um, actual costumes, like in the sense of um, it was it was a human that was in a costume in reality and therefore creating a Star Wars character. I didn't go that route. I know we had discussed that in all of our kind of uh, early dialogue as to how we would make decisions. I did end up going towards uh outfits as if it was almost like here's a video game scroll through all of the outfits this character has ever worn and then think of that as like like all of the characters have multiple iterations and then i picked like my six favorite like snapshot characters of like the way that they look so to be clear just like the vibe that i got from that then you wouldn't consider for example c-3po to be a costume I didn't want to give an example because I didn't want to throw anything there, but literally C-3PO was the example I wanted to give of Anthony Daniels. So uh, it it's not how I went with this. No, okay. it was something that I certainly could have, uh, but I felt like there was so many things to say across the board that it was going to be really hard. Um, and uh, I just kind of shifted away from that interpretation. There are some other ones that maybe now that you bring that up, I actually, there's one in particular, that's a kind of a fun one that I'll just write down on a notepad now so that we talk about it in the honorable mentions, uh, just because of its being like a costume, like you said, uh, and how that has a huge impact. And that is like, there's a, it could change the way I would have done my list, but at the same time, I did want to keep with some level of consistency uh, and I found that this was the easiest way for me to make my six. Okay, well, but I'm interested to hear if you did it differently too, because that means there's less likely we'll have overlap. I don't really think I did uh, do it differently. Maybe I wasn't thinking exactly with those parameters, but I think just naturally I ended up selecting six that are basically clothes. Uh, okay, clothes worn yeah, by characters same. in 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 the movies. Um, we have both uh, been Star Wars characters in costume for Halloween in the past uh, more than one time, though, because you mentioned recently you were yes. Anakin Scott. You were young Anakin when we were little kids. I was young Anakin. Uh, I was Darth Vader. Oh, I yeah. was. Um, that was maybe the only two. Um, I definitely was. Uh, I, I was Qui Gon Jinn. We had like really good Jedi robes, circa Phantom Menace, whatever yeah. Halloween year that was. Um, and I had, 
I had an accompanying like Qui-Gon Jinn mask, which was like classic plastic. You get one Halloween out of this mask kind of mask. And I didn't wear oh, yeah. it. I remember thinking like, this is not how I want to be a person in costume. I, I would rather have my skin. <laughs> yeah. You were Qui-Gon uh, in the, in the fourth sense. You were not, you were spiritually Qui-Gon, not right. necessarily uh, physically. Right. Right. Yes. That's right. We were not recasting exactly because of bone structure or anything. Ah, I was shorter way. than Liam Neeson, too, for what it's worth. You know, you're a little short for a Jedi. <laughs> I don't think I was ever anything else. I can't recall any other... Because we always had, like, a tickle trunk, didn't we? But I don't remember there being yeah. a ton of Star Wars costumes inside that thing. I think we got most of our uh, Star Wars, um, I guess fun in that regard or creativity in, in the lightsabers and playing with those in the lawn and painting broomsticks. Uh, I certainly had more fun with that side of it. Right. Um, and the creativity that came with the adventures that kind of went on with, in our imagination. Um, but uh, I think that was also in part the fact that you could almost just make anything Star Wars clothes in your mind or picture yourself wearing anything. And in the case of you, you had really solid Jedi robes. So those certainly helped. And I think like as recently as a couple of years ago, like Kylo Ren was the number one kid's Halloween costume, I think. Like Star Wars characters are still popular yeah. Halloween costumes. Yeah, I mean, and and now the way um, like Baby Yoda has blown up and That's Mando, true. I mean, these have such merchandising success stories already that blow the sequel trilogy out of the water. I mean, Kylo Ren is one of the few things that has really struck, um, but it did fizzle out a little bit because he barely wore the mask in Last Jedi and then it kind of was brought back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's really, it's it's nice to see that resurgence of Star Wars merch i mean that's part of the culture that gets you excited outside of being in the theater and watching the movies and i think that's just um, it's almost just as important if not as important so uh, are you going to start first sure i'll uh, i'll kick things off uh, i'll kick things off with the man who calls him han uh and that would be uh lando's uh in particular his solo ensemble Okay. Uh, so that would be his yellow shirt, uh, his black striped scarf, uh, the kind of the, the the long flared, thin but flared pants. Uh, he's got just great style. I love the fact that it does homage so well to Billy D, and then they bring it back in Rise of Skywalker. Uh, it's just such a smooth look, uh, and he pulls it off so well, and it's so Lando. And of course, you've got to have a classic cape. Uh, and I mean, all of Lando's outfits are great, but I, I thought the yellow really, really, really works or the gold, you could almost call it. Um, and having that return in rise of Skywalker, uh, to a really similar sort of style, I thought was really great. And the fact that Lando always wore that kind of light blue shirt on cloud city, it doesn't matter. Lando looks better in yellow, uh, full stop. doesn't matter that empire is a better movie. Lando looks way better in yellow. All right, well, I'm actually going to disagree with you because Lando in his blue outfit is my number six on the list. Oh, that's so perfect. But no, he looks better in yellow, sir. No, I, I just can't meet you there. And part of it is because, of course, I think Solo sucks. Although in, in, medit in <laughs> meditating on this, I, I, do, I do find it interesting that even I was fooled into thinking yellow was the main Lando color until I actually went back. And I was like, no way. He wears, of course, those that elegant like baby blue powder blue yep. suit for basically the entirety of his inaugural movie empire strikes back it's what he's wearing when he welcomes them to bespin he's wearing it at the ambush dinner party uh there is yellow like texture to the cape that he wears but even still it's not primarily yellow um i mean you're not wrong yellow 
looks cool. I like the yellow. Cool on Lando, but I was kind of thinking about what it is I like about blue, and I think part of it is that up until we meet Lando in Empire Strikes Back, there's very little color worn by any character in Star Wars. Everybody's wearing basically black or brown leading up to this point. Gray or white in the case of Stormtroopers. Um, and so suddenly we have this guy who's who's wearing color affects personality, which of course uh, Lando has in spades. It's also, if you actually look at like the subtext of what color has come to mean in Star Wars, that particular hue of blue is kind of synonymous with trustworthiness and allegiance, which is really interesting. That's true. It's really interesting. Really interesting considering the moral ambiguity of Lando, specifically in Empire Strikes Back. You see this guy. Lando says he can't be, or Han says he can't be trusted. Han immediately doesn't trust him, and really neither does Leia. But he's wearing blue, and the blue lightsabers are the good guy lightsabers. And you're starting to think, well, maybe I'm on this guy's side. Then he still blindsides you and kind of throws you under the bus. Um, I I, wow. I I just I, maybe that's like an over analysis, but uh, it, it might be. But it's nice because then again, like in the Rise of Skywalker, we find out he's from the gold system, which is I mean pretty fucking straightforward that he's wearing gold as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so it's but it's also one of those fun things that is like of course that's where Lando is from, um, and he's also a gold leader in uh, Return of the Jedi, and it's, it's like. Uh, I, I think it's uh, I think that's a really cool pickup to show that like the way we're introduced with Lando is like there's so much ambiguity, but then you're kind of drawn, you're thrown back and forth as to what to think of him up until the very end of the movie when he's like helping Luke down. And then you're like, okay, well, everything seems good. He says he's gonna go rescue Han with Chewbacca. I guess we are on this guy's side, but um anything to to add a little extra ambiguity there. Um well, it certainly helps. And to further dissect that same metaphor, the Lando you're talking about in Solo and the Lando I'm talking about in Empire Strikes Back generationally are, are serving very different responsibilities. And so my Lando in Empire, while unethical and doing shady stuff still here and there, uh, has an important um, institutional role here in Cloud City. He's like a, like a diplomatic... I'm a baron. Exactly, a baron. right? Baron a, administrator. A diplomatic guy wearing his work clothes, his uniform. But, I mean, in Solo, he's peacocking. He's like wearing a bright yellow... Big time. He's like trying to assert... I almost put his fur coat in. Oh, that is a good one, though. I didn't even think of the fur coat. Oh, that made my honorable mentions. Those two were were both there. Lando's got some style. There's nothing humble. No, you're right. Uh, something we can agree on, I guess, is that Lando wears great threads and the cape is essential. And I mean, a lot of people wear like flowy clothes in Star Wars. Does Kylo wear a cape or just like a dress? Uh, it depends. He wears a cape in The Rise of Skywalker and uh, in... And then The Last Jedi, I believe. So yeah. there's a few capes. Certainly Vader has a cape. But I mean, like, nobody most memorably wears a cape like Lando. No, that is definitely true. Uh, Lando is, uh, I would say, the king of capes. All right, you're number five. Uh, my number five would probably be the number one on a lot of lists. And uh, is the one that is the inspiration for uh, the reason as to why I'm very excited this week. Uh, and that would be uh, the original Mandalorian armor that we see. Uh, and that would be the green Boba Fett armor. Okay. Uh, and so this one is so classic across the board. Uh, it's of all of the kind of Mandalorian styles. 
Um, actually, you know what? I didn't really think about it in that regard. I could have gone like even deep cut and gone with like the heavy infantry trooper from Mando. Um, and that would have been one that, I mean, oh, that's it, tough. It doesn't actually, have no, the... I'm, cha I'm changing it on the fly. Okay. Because of the, because of the impact of the Mandalorian armor, and it's just, it's very cool. I prefer heavy infantry Mando from the one that was voiced by John Favreau in season one. I'm changing it on the fly. Uh, the impact of Mandalorian armor, it, it it's extends throughout Star Wars. And so uh, that kind of is the, the thing I'm trying to hit on. Uh, but the coolness of the particular armor uh, in, with the heavy infantry, uh, it's particularly bulky. The jetpack is still there. It's equipped uh, to be able to do the rocket man at the end, but he's got this like Gatling gun already built right on him. Um, I mean, I was going to go with Boba Fett in the sense that he's very sleek to be able to be his maneuverable kind of shifty self. Um, and the armor's very beat up, but when you look at somebody like the heavy infantry Mando, it's also very fitting to his style. So that, I guess, is the thing that I like the most, is the fact that you have these characters who have uniforms that are so incredibly equipped to what they're trying to accomplish. Their weapons are so laid out really well, obviously the same with Din Djarin. Um, but uh, no, I changed that on the fly from Boba Fett to uh, the heavy infantry Mandalorian from Mando season one. That so was uh, a bit of a weird change up right now, but I'm happy with it. <laughs> Something they did very effectively in Mandalorian is because it's really the first time they've in uh, in the mainstream. And you would probably refute this as somebody who's consumed more uh, canon than me. But in the mainstream, it's the first time they've really illustrated what else a Mandalorian helmet, for example, could look like because they very deliberately chose to make Din's clothes pretty close to Boba and and Django's clothes because they want you to relate to that character. They already know. No rangefinder though, surprisingly. No, but they already know like basically the essence of this, you think it's cool looking. You you told mm -hmm. us that 30 years ago. Um, and so it's neat that they also were able to create a bunch of other Mandalorian styles that still look like Mandalorian styles, even though most of us don't really know what Mandalorians are. And so they yeah. did that very effectively. Um, it's actually well, totally fine that you you changed this on the fly because my number five is Boba Fett's uh, uniform. Oh, amazing. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. That works out really well. So we are um, kind of on the same page here. We are sim very much on the same page. And Boba Fett's is fantastic. The reason as to why I like the heavy imagery is because it, it does retain uh, the, the range finder. Uh, it does have kind of a, a squarer jaw to it. Uh, the face does have kind of a little bit more of sunken in on the sides, but keeping that amazing T shape. Uh, but there are like a, a lot of variations. Interesting. Like there's, of course, there's the armorer who has a similar, who has a very different Mandalorian helmet. I like her. Um, she's a very cool character, yeah. really expecting to learn a lot more. But then there's, of course, in uh, the Clone Wars and uh, Rebels, we see a ton of other styles uh, and some really uh, nice homages to Ralph McQuarrie's uh, initial designs, too, with, like, all white designs and kind of, like, uh, slightly more rounded helmets. Uh, but, yeah, Boba Fett is the, the OG, and so that carries a ton of water. Um, so yeah, tell me what specifically about Boba Fett uh, drew you there, other than the 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 obvious ones. And green is a great color. Well, it is, and Boba Fett um, is a character whose whole legacy is based on how badass he looks at face value. Mm. He doesn't really have a lot of opportunity to shine personality-wise in either of the two movies in which he appears. It's the only reason George brought him back to develop his backstory in the prequels or to give him a lineage that relates him to the clone troopers or to create, I mean, George didn't create the Mandalorian series, but the, really 
if, if we're kind of cynical about it, it's why the Mandalorian the show exists because we told them decades ago that that's cool. We'd like to see more. Yeah. Doesn't have to be that guy. But given the many variations on Mandalorian gear, I have to go to, I have to go to Boba because that's where my my heart lies. I like that it's uh, distressed. It's rugged. There's clearly story to tell there that doesn't have to be, you know, little twelve year old with flow. Um, I like the vibrant colors. I think that kind of sets it apart from Django's otherwise kind of boring um, aesthetic. Um, the fact is, I don't really care about Boba Fett at all as a character. I don't. I don't really give a shit about him. But I, I agree. What I do care about is that he looks cool, and so that his costume alone can drive my feelings toward him, uh, entitle him immediately to a spot in my top five because. Um, uh, and the other thing I was thinking about, and I'm sure there's somebody who could back this up, but like there's something about the way the lenses of his Mandalorian helmet in particular, and then also Django and, and Din's, um, the lenses on it are kind of split on like 45 degree angles with his face. It almost looks like an old kind of like Viking helmet. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like something that, or a Roman helmet that comes directly down vertically over your head. It, it seems to Absolutely. be like a, a futuristic spaceman version of that. Yes, it's absolutely that. And the armorers is even uh, a bit of a drawback and kind of an homage to that as well. Um, I absolutely, yeah, I, I love all the points that you made. The colorful way that Boba Fett has kind of rebuilt his uniform over the years. Uh, I'm glad you brought up kind of the, 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 the fact that it's really beat up uh, and it's, it's scratched up. It's going to look acid stained and even worse in this upcoming season when it's worn by even a different character. But right. what's going to be cool about that is How's Boba Fett going to come in? Boba Fett's going to get to be more than just, we're going to get to see Boba Fett likely as just tomorrow Morrison for a bit. Mm. And that's going to be really cool. Um, especially if like, cause I mean, I doubt he'll have his uniform back right away, especially if we're getting Cobb Vance and the story that goes along with that, or at least part of it, but it'll be interesting to have this character who has been in infamy for so long, actually potentially become more of a cool character. His story in attack of the clones isn't that much. And he didn't really, draw me out a ton in the clone wars uh my favorite bounty hunter then was uh maybe number like seven on my list or at least in my top 10 uh is cad bane uh and he is like super cool he's a duros he's got blue skin and he wears like one of these big like almost like a sombrero hat he's very much man with no name okay um and he talks a little bit like a guy from the from the 40s Sort of, but it, it but he, it really, it, as ridiculous as that is, it works extremely well. And he's got a very badass look. Um, but in a lost episode, one of the episodes that was cut from the final season, it was never fully produced for the Clone Wars. Uh, Boba Fett finally puts on his dad's armor. He finally grows into it and uh, gets in a duel with Cad Bane. And they both shoot each other. Um, but Boba gets shot in the Beskar in his head, and, oh. and that's that's where the dent comes from. Uh, and so Cad Bane does not have a canon death, but those unproduced episodes would have been his death. And so it would have been an extremely cool scene, one that's a little bit of a bummer to not have gotten, uh, but one that could be brought back in, in a different other means and is the likely, uh, so well, certainly the placeholder for Cad Bane's uh, demise and how Boba gets that ding. But you're right, there's really cool stories that go along with that. Uh, and do and they detail? Do they detail why it's green? Like, does he actively choose to like give it a little makeover? Uh, I have no idea. I, I don't think I watched all. I think I just watched the 
like a few minutes because they're they're pretty poorly finished. Uh, and so yeah. I think I just watched a few minutes um, the like when they actually do the duel uh, on that episode. But I don't know why he necessarily paints it over, but probably just because he doesn't want to necessarily directly walk in his dad's footsteps or be associated with the clone army that was still going on at that time. Um, and Django Fett would be renowned and known uh, and potentially, well, not potentially, he was, although Boba Fett had already tried to kill Mace Windu and was an enemy of the Jedi, uh, Jayco Fett was also an enemy of the Jedi. So I don't know, there could have been some other reasons, but likely just wanting to make a name for himself. In a way, this Tamora Morrison uh, has been waiting for 20 years to play Boba Fett, right? Like yeah. that, that's when he got that job. He was like, basically, he was told, so you're basically Boba Fett, but you're also Boba Fett's dad. You're not Boba Fett, but like, Pretend you're Boba Fett. Like, that's kind yeah, of what the, what the character is. But, like, this is symbolically a little closer and a little a little more on the nose. Because before the prequels, like, you just wanted to be Boba Fett. And and so... Hey, he's an, unal he's an unaltered clone. And so... Right, right. It makes sense that they're going to be very much uh, of a similar ilk. But it'll see the way kind of nature and nurture has kind of changed them a little bit. But, no, cool. We both went with Mandalorians for, for our number five. Uh, I went with uh, two different ones as I kind of switched it out at the last second. But no, that was great. So let's see if we can keep the streak going. What's your number four? Uh, my number four. So this is this is an interesting thing that just in general, um, when you're, I, I guess there are significantly more. This is my only female character that I went with uh, in my top six. Uh, just I guess a lot of the time you associate costumes with like, that would be cool to wear. Um, and so a lot of them don't really, don't really translate. Yeah. You weren't hoping to wear, wear the big crescent moon in your hair as Queen Amidala when you were a kid? N not as much. Okay. No. And so you don't necessarily see it as much as like a badass battle suit. But when it comes to a badass battle suit, uh, not one that I would want to wear, uh, but one that is, uh, extremely fitting, a really great homage. Uh, and the one that made my list would be, uh, Padme's white flight suit on Geonosis. Oh, okay. uh, and the the great callback to the fact that this is a desert planet after she wears uh, kind of the fuller version of it on Tatooine, and then it gets scraped up on Geonosis. Um, but these are desert uh, rock planets, totally mirroring her daughter uh, dressed all in white yes. uh, on the snowy Hoth planet years later. And the, back, the way that they're able to kind of connect those two, she's got like a, a silver armband. The big Nexu like puts a giant scratch across her back. It's just, it's a cool outfit. Um, it's it's a badass outfit and it's an opportunity for Padme to uh, put on kind of a, a show and make everybody else look a little stupid um, and, and look great doing it. Yeah, that's true. I actually think that the the that particular like it's so pure angel white like i think it's a little bit closer to original leia like in like the big a little bit yeah the big fitted sheet she wears through most of the original star wars movie and now she doesn't spend any time on tatooine in that movie but it, it feels for sure in one way or another like an homage to leia um and it's kind of the first time Padme gets to be a real warrior yes she kind of mm. like gets escorted around the alleyways of Naboo in the third act of Phantom Menace with her squad and she holds a pistol, but she's kind of wearing like, is she wearing a dress? I guess she's wearing pants, but like it's, it's she's wearing that kind of like purpley thing in that, like with like the gold right. stripes, uh, but they do have those really cool like zip line guns. I always loved those. Yeah, they're cool. No, in this sequence, she's a literally a gladiator and uh, yeah, she climbs the pole. She's got the chain and she's whipping it. She's super badass. 
Yeah, I don't have a lot to add to that because it's it's very straightforward yeah. for what it is. There's well, not a whole lot to say. What was she wearing that led her to be in that outfit in particular? She was was she just wearing some version of that when she arrived there with Anakin? Uh, I believe it was some version of that. Um, I guess probably it's she's got kind of a long, a larger cloak over top of it when I guess it's the funeral probably on Tatooine, and so uh, then they have to go off to Geonosis and. Um, that's I guess the kind of flight suit she has underneath. Right, right. Wouldn't work great as a Halloween costume because you'd be freezing cold. But you, you'd be freezing cold and you'd be filthy. Well, and this is the time of year though. If you need like uh, scar makeup, like you could definitely apply some pretty good gashes to the back from where some. Well, and that's the that's the thing. Like that's what's also great about the outfit is the fact that she gets like this like two foot scar across her. It like, manages. It manages not to take her her clothes off though. Like it, well, you'd think that like that would probably like it's just like a few like pieces of toilet paper she's wearing in this scene. Like <laughs> it manages to cut her, but it stays. Yeah, on. I guess everything in Star Wars you have to imagine has a little bit of like Kevlar in there. So you don't have any other female characters on your list you have teased, and so uh, that means that the gold bikini is not on either of our lists. No, it is not. Which and it that is. Was like, I, it is iconic. It's so iconic. It yeah. is. It's so iconic. And I mean, Leia has a bunch of great outfits. Um, but I, that was the thing that I, I found surprised. Padme has the landslide most outfits. Oh, uh, yeah. And so it's not even close there. Um, but I thought there was another one that I'd say is probably. I'd say it was my number seven, uh, and that would be uh, Leia. Leia's Endor Poncho. Yeah. That would be my number seven. Um, so it's not like it was just an exclusive thing, but I think there's a level of badassery, uh, that is always associated with the costumes, uh, that draws you to, uh, a certain, uh, a certain darkness is all I'll say. Okay. Gotcha. Listen, my number four might very well appear, uh, in your list as well. It's Luke's orange rebel pilot suit from episode four. Great one. Honorable mention with like with a bullet uh, was definitely on in my top six at a point. So would probably have been in my top 10. So I considered a couple of different Luke outfits for my list. Um, and I wasn't above putting multiple outfits by the same character in my list. But ultimately, my deciding that this was my favorite Luke look kind of edged out the other one. Um, the other one was Luke in all black and Return of the Jedi. But like... That's great too. I, 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 do, I do love... A Jedi, I mean, both of us do. There's something even more uniquely Star Wars, I think, about this orange jumpsuit. Um, the I don't, white suit's great. I don't know who chose for it to be orange. It was a very deliberate color choice. It's a color you don't often see in Star Wars. BB-8 is orange. I think that choice was just made for him to match Poe, who wears essentially this same outfit for most of The Force Awakens. But Luke wears it so well, and I also think symbolically for the character of Luke... Though he is still a boy when he wears it in A New Hope, he's not just a boy for the first time in the movie. He's now a rebel, and mm. he's a capable rebel. Um, also, I think we had an action figure of Luke in this iteration, uh, and that probably applies a little bit of personal liking to it for me. Yes, he was also missing his foot, if you will remember. Masking tape on the little nubbin on the bottom. There you go. You got it. That's yep. right. Yeah. I, I don't remember why he was missing his foot, but yeah, no, this one was uh, my... This is actually, no, I think I had two Lukes that were both in my top 10 at a point. Uh, Luke's gold jacket's a great one as well. That was in my honorable mentions. Oh, and, good But one. yes, you're right. But Luke, the, the blackout Luke with like the white kind of triangle flap that opens up uh, and uh, orange flight suit Luke are fantastic. And orange flight suit Luke, another one that's really great. Uh, and this is 
another accidental homage uh, and also one that it's not like Luke is the only one who wears this, but it is just orange Vader's suit. Like that, that number, that like plaid, like, like that, like, sorry, not plaid, that like number pad thing that is Vader's like, like, I don't know, breathalyzer controls uh, or like, uh, you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. Um, and Luke's, I guess, oxygen, or I don't know how that would work, or what even those are even for on his flight suit. Um, Maybe there for that. Maybe if he needs gray. to make some kind of like, like big if escape. If he were to go out into space and yeah. he needed to. Yeah, you know, like he needs to be outfitted for that kind of stuff. Or maybe inversely, those controls aren't for uh, Vader's breathalyzer at all, his respirator. Maybe respirator, he, thank you. Maybe he's just wearing a flight suit himself because he's always flying a TIE fighter and Anakin Skywalker was a great pilot. I don't think so. I, I think they are associated. I could be wrong on that. I think they're a little bit more suit controlling, but okay. I could be wrong. Maybe that is something that was just uh, an assumption that I made and that would be uh, a great connection. It would make a lot of sense because you're right. He's a pilot. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, like, all, almost first and foremost. Why orange though? Why do you think they chose that? It's just it's bright and exciting. I can almost guarantee you the reason they went with orange is because it was already orange and it was the cheapest thing they could get. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe they just like, bought a, I mean, a, like, a bunch of coveralls the, at Mark's Work Warehouse and they're like this'll do. Exactly. I mean, when it comes to the the first movie, like A New Hope, man, that it was all about where they could save the the money. The and one of my favorite parts is the fact that a lot of the weapons are World War 1. Uh, weapons that have fully removable uh, attachments, so that because they rented them from another movie. Okay, it was a World War One movie, and so like they just they they were like they were pinching pennies everywhere. <laughs> right, for sure. Uh, your turn for number three, I believe. Uh, my number three would be my landslide uh, favorite design for the greatest galactic military ever. And that would be the scout trooper design. Yeah. Uh, and this is such a cool outfit. Top to bottom, it's a very practical outfit in the sense that these need to be the more agile troopers. They've got these really cool little pistols. Of course, they've got their amazing speeder bikes. Uh, but the best part is that really cool mask. Uh, it's just such a cool design. Uh, they still get to be the terrible stormtroopers with terrible aim and get easily killed. They feel so classic and original, but they have always stood out to me as the not even close best design stormtrooper uh, and definitely what you would want to get stationed as somewhere. Uh, it's just, it's a cool mask. Uh, it's not all stark white. It looks way more comfortable because of all the pockets and the fact that you get to wear like cargo pants and knee pads as opposed to just pure armor. That's true. It's just a cool outfit. Yeah, this is also my number three. <laughs> oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> because, and this is one of the, the obvious ones. You asked me before, like how many obvious ones do I have? Like, I think this is most people's favorite Stormtrooper uh, iteration. But if not, otherwise you've got another uh another favorite because everyone's given this some thought we all have our feelings about our favorite imperial clone or uh first order troopers based on their designs and it's a, a pretty uncomplicated conversation because with only a few exceptions they're not characters at all they're just like disposable non-personalities and you just get to judge them based on what you think they look like so exceptions mm -hmm. are obviously like uh captain rex or phasma 
Finn to an extent, but for the most part, um, you're right. Just like more bumbling stormtroopers, except now they have this like new design, which is terribly cool. And as for the helmet, I thought about this. I think one of the reasons we're attracted to the helmets is they're kind of like, I mean, it always comes back to how we felt when we were kids, right? Mm. And it's the closest to a bike helmet. It's like, yeah. it kind of looks I, like, I, it looks like when you're a kid, what do you do? You ride bikes and you play in the woods. And that's as close as you can get to a stormtrooper. It's a scout trooper. Yeah, no, that would definitely be true. That's what, that, that is a really good point. I, I, I love the fact that it's got the visor. I think mm -hmm. that was one cool thing. Um, and you don't really necessarily, it doesn't look like your face is melting. It doesn't look like a skull as much as the True. other stormtrooper helmets do. Yeah. And you don't look like you're part of the KKK, like the snowtroopers do. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Uh, Although I like the snowtroopers, but not for that yeah. reason. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but th that's just, they've always stood out in that regard. And then of course, like the Sith troopers are really cool too. Uh, Commander Cody, uh, has a phenomenally cool, uh, clone trooper outfit. Uh, in particular, the one, the orange one that he's wearing when he fires on Obi-Wan Kenobi in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, it's got that kind of cool visor. And so it's like a merge between a, a bit of a scout trooper and clone trooper. Uh, and then they do a really good job with the stormtroopers as well in The Force Awakens, bringing them back with that great kind of mirroring uh, of the OG stormtroopers as well. So, well, And they've brought this particular iteration of uh, the stormtrooper back recently. Scout troopers got to have a little moment in the sun. Uh, as Adam Pally and Jason Sudeikis yeah. in the first season of Mandalorian, like that was a like a much talked about scene when Jason Sudeikis punches Baby Yoda. I know. I mean, not many people were. I was not happy about that. You want those guys to die. It was great to see, though. It was some really good stormtrooper comedy. I thought it was. Uh, it, it didn't need to go any longer, so I was glad it was. It was brief, but it was. It was really good while it lasted. I it thought. is the most personality you see from disposable stormtroopers that don't actually become characters, which of course happens so rarely. Like every now and then, you get one line of dialogue, maybe two. Yeah. Ray is tricking somebody, and that takes half a scene. But like. I guess because they cast a couple of like comedic ringers to to give the the scene a little yeah. oomph and it really landed really well. Um, but you don't normally get just two stormtroopers chilling for like a three minute scene like you do here, and it's pretty nicely handled. Oh yeah, it's done really well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the shore troopers are really cool too from Rogue One, and there's of course the death troopers from Rogue One as well. Uh, but I always thought the short troopers were really cool. They kind of look like the scout troopers, but they've got kind of like a sandier armor and like a little bit of like light blue and red. Yeah. Uh, and so they're cool. Phasma, of course, was a, was a great design. That was another one that was wasted. People kind of, she was a little bit of a, of a Boba Fett. Her and Zori Bliss are kind of the, the Boba Fett's of this I know. most recent trilogy. I, I am so disappointed and just in, in general dislike of Captain Phasma that it's hard to get past it. But yes, when they originally came up with it, obviously she looks very cool, although not that agile. She looks very stiff, very ceremonial. Yeah, and another reason as to why I like the Scout Trooper, because yeah. you look agile, and of course you get those ama amazing bikes. Those are the yeah. best. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Number two for you, sir. Uh, my number two would be uh, the Prince of Darkness uh, himself, uh, the, the fallen Prince of Alderaan, Kylo Ren, in particular, in The Force Awakens. Okay. Uh, now, not having his cape, having his night garb, having the single-shoulder draping of his cloak, um, the way that he wears the hood with his mask, so it's not as directly Vader-shaped, um, the way that he removes it and he looks more like a boy than ever compared to the other two movies where he 
he looks he, Adam Driver looks like he went through puberty between <laughs> uh, the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi. Uh, he definitely beefed up a lot, um, and it shows on his face in in a lot of ways as well. Well, he's scarred. Um, he's supposed to have like a facial scar at that point. Well, yeah, he he does have the facial scar at that point, yeah. and then that, that continues on as well throughout. But uh, and he gets it like filled in with that like uh, plastic crap or whatever. Uh, but there's that real boyish uh, kind of, I guess the what's the word I'm looking for here again? I'm at a loss for words tonight. Adolescent, just kind of like a youthfulness. Well, yeah, but I guess I guess the in particular the contrast between that and this uh, monster in a mask that Ray sees him as, and that's exactly what he's trying to be. He's really trying to be this, just like he he looks like a knight. Uh, like, 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 uh, and he's a knight of rent, and it, it's it's perfect. He's he's really achieving this this look that he's going for, uh, in a very badass and modern way, but with the subtle nods to grandpa that he's trying to have, uh, that also have the subtle nods to what we've all fallen in love with in Star Wars. So it's just, I think it's such a a home run design, especially with such expectations on creating a cool new Sith design. Uh, or Sith-like design for this new sequel trilogy. Uh, another reason as to why the character of Kylo Ren and Ben Solo is such an achievement, because uh, the stakes are all there, uh, and as much as and he fucking kills Han Solo, and yet at the very end, you still aren't going to leave that that yeah. trilogy and, th and think, oh, that character sucked. No. no, that character was the trilogy. That character was so badass, and yet so vulnerable, and yet everything under the sun um and i think they knocked it out of the park from the get-go with the design uh of the saber to the mask to uh in particular i love the way that the cloak is designed in the force awakens and how it's like a knight uh but i guess as he rises to power and becomes supreme leader it's more appropriate for him to have his cape that's interesting that's the part where i'll have to disagree because i do i do love the helmet um and i like his his black uh, robes throughout the other two movies, but there's something about the cloak in particular, which looks very like the, the very princely, royal-looking, heavy cloak that he wears. That yeah. is almost like a. Well, I mean, it's there's no other way to describe it. It's like a it's like a robe. I I, I just think it's, it's also a cold planet too, so that's a little bit also appropriate if they're on Starkiller Base. Sure, okay. It do, it doesn't look like he's wearing that the way Lando would wear. Um, a fur coat though there's just no. there's something a little dainty and prissy about it and to be fair there is something a little prissy about kylo ren isn't there it's yeah just, it's just not as scary to me i think it's it doesn't contrast quite as well with darth vader as the mask does and is so obviously intended to yeah i i think it's one thing that i think that I think it's great that you see it as kind of princely and prissy yeah because there's nothing princely or prissy about it when the mask is on okay nothing but when the mask is off, of course. And so then this creates that other contrast where it's like when the mask is on, it's like this heavy like cloak and this like night of darkness um, with a hood. But then when it's off, you're right. It's like this like boyish prince with his pretty face. And he's just a poser in the start. And he gets called out by that from Snoke in the next movie. Uh, before he kills him, which Palpatine, of course, wants. It's funny because, like, they never actually refer to him as the Prince of Alderaan. I guess he kind of is that. Um, we keep calling him a prince here. It does seem like they made that choice in the designing, particularly of of that cape that we're talking about, because it's almost got like a Camelot kind of look, especially when the helmet comes off. It's like, Absolutely. oh, he, he just looks like the petulant teenage son 
of the queen in the castle. And uh, that's kind of what he's trying to overcome, but that is essentially who yep. he is. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the many, many uh, achievements of The Force Awakens uh, and the decision to go with such a an Excalibur, King Arthur uh, storyline and vibe is not something that was in Star Wars before, but was extremely Star Wars right away. And that was a very uh, good fit that was unfortunately abandoned. It was, it was overlooked even when it was there. Nobody talks about that very deliberate aesthetic. Like they're mm. following that framework and they say, <laughs> you know, Kanye West told Joe Rogan this week that there's nothing artful about The Force Awakens. Like that's, well, that's not, not true. It's just not true. He didn't exactly say that, but like it, it's it's not it's not so. It, it's there's not there's there not a, a lack of art in any of the three of them. Well, no, there's a lack. No. There's a lack of art in the Rise of Skywalker, but there's that's true. There is, there is, there is art in it, but there's a lot yeah. of lack of it. <laughs> right, there's not an absence of art in any of in any Star Wars movie. No, no, you're absolutely right in that. Even Solo, the fact that our frustration mostly comes from the fact that it's just so unimportant yes. everything that happens in it, and the fact that literally the the line that we get that Han has said about it was enough to. We didn't need the details. <laughs> right. So, and it's a really good choice. Uh, I don't have any Kylo Ren on my list, but there are very few characters and perhaps only two, as long as we're talking about costumes in Star Wars. I think there are only two characters in Star Wars who are who they are because of the costume they wear. And that's mm -hmm. not that's not even true of, of Boba Fett. Boba Fett's nobody without the costume. But, that's fair. But these characters... Uh, <laughs> It's it is, part of it is the because of who they are that they must wear these these costumes and for mm -hmm. different reasons. But of course, the other one is Darth Vader, and that's my number two. Shall I shall I move on? Uh, I mean, you you can go for it. I mean, we can talk about it right now. There's no reason to not talk about it right now because it's my number one. Right. But yeah, I figured uh, it that was. would just mean there's only going to be one more after this. So see, yeah, see, I knew uh, it, I, I knew it was. It. It would have been so bizarre if you didn't have Darth Vader on your top six In my six top list. six, that would be really weird. Look, yeah. this is objectively the most iconic uh, costume in all of Star Wars. It is maybe the most iconic film costume, period. Like, can you think of a, of a character in any movie no. who wears a thing that is more recognizable and more famous in movies? No, it doesn't exist. No, no, there's nothing even close no. uh, across the board uh, from helmet to cape to chest plate to boots to everything the fact that it's the and I, the, there is even variations of vader's like That's empire I, strikes back vader is the one i posted as my number one me too because he's slimmer more agile he's still got a little red in the eyes is it's just the badassery all around they didn't kind of bastardize his lightsaber when they lost it between empire and uh uh return of the jedi and they kind of used one of luke's one and just added some other parts to it it's just it's quintessential perfect Vader. Well, that's what I wanted to say as well, because he's in five feature films, uh, if you don't include his helmet appearing in in uh, The Force Awakens. But like he, he appears in full in five Star Wars movies, and every single one varies a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, the original reveal of Darth Vader is cool, but we just discussed how they were incredibly strapped for a budget in that movie. Oh my. And so what part of what makes the Empire Strikes Back version of the costume the best is the contrast, is is seeing the helmet from behind for the first time. Immediately. Uh, and it's shinier and he's generally darker and as you said, he's slimmer and more agile. There's also there's a feature in Darth Vader that it doesn't really pop in the movies, but if you look at photo photos, 
you can see it and I'm not the biggest fan of it. I think it's my least favorite thing about the the Darth Vader look. And it's these <laughs> chrome stripes on his shoulders. Um, okay, I was gonna, uh, okay, that I know what you mean. Yep. They they just they kind of take away from the I mean frankly the darkness of of this dark lord. Um but their cod piece kills me. Well, fair enough. But but these these stripes in particular on the shoulders are least visible in Empire Strikes Back and so and so I I like them most. And just to to finish my thought about how the costume means so much to who Kylo Ren is, um in Empire Strikes Back when we see that helmet lower down onto the back of his scarred head, like that's mm. that is one of the most important Darth Vader moments in Star Wars because it illustrates that there's more to this guy than just the machine that Obi-Wan indicated to. There's a backstory mm-hmm. that you're going to have to learn. It creates this whole new depth and sadness to the character. Um, it's it's when the, the costume becomes more than a costume. It's like a, it's a character in itself. And so he's more machine now than man. Right. But I think that when we see this, he actually is man. And yeah. su- suddenly it is a costume. It's not just this like robot guy that you saw in the first movie and he was stiff. Exactly. And that comes down to the fact that what you were just saying before with these are in part the characters because Darth Vader is a different, like, although they are, he is the same as Anakin, Darth Vader does not want to admit that. And he's the last person in the galaxy who's going to let you leave the room saying that they're the same person. Right. But that's the big thing with Darth Vader is it's that kind of connection. When he is Darth Vader, he wants to be more machine than man, but he's not. Right. And that's where the costume plays such a huge piece is because it allows him to kind of present this fear. He's not a, a like uh, a limbless, um, barely able to breathe, uh, pathetic guy who lost everything and sold his soul to the devil uh, for literally nothing. I mean, it, it's such a huge part of him. Uh, and the amazing scene as well when the mask first comes down and then when the mask finally comes off uh he's got a matte paint finish on the mask in rogue one and a new hope uh where it's a glossy finish in the other ones uh there is also the cape tuck which is one of the more classic uh differentiators between vaders uh it's a hard way to to kind of describe but those stripes that you see on the shoulders now you said they're less visible it's because the cape tucking is done differently with uh his shoulder pads okay and so that also differentiates the way vader kind of looks in different ones makes him look wider sometimes also a little bit more agile and a little bit more of like the dark lord um that he ultimately looks better as and, and is ultimately that exact way in kind of empire. Right. And so, yeah, it, it, like you said, there's, it's so classic. The mask, uh, plays the role with, of course, you can't have the mask without the breathing and vice versa, which of course is another amazing sensory achievement of star Wars. Uh, and so it's, and there's this it's other achievements in all levels, this other kind of nearly unique facet to the, to the performance, which is that it's a collaboration, right? Like that the physicality of Darth Vader is portrayed by multiple different people over time, that the voice is is depicted mm-hmm. by generally just one person, um, and uh, although he never wears the suit. And so it is a costume, but like there's so many different personality, right. personalities coming together to do this performance and create this mm-hmm. iconic uh, uh, imposition. Yeah, I mean, we visualize Hayden Christensen under there and then eventual kind of shift into 
uh, Sebastian Shaw. And so it's, uh, and there's a, a, an amazing picture I've seen of um, Hayden Christensen and like the, like their faces kind of mashed together and imposed on Vader's like half torso in a back to tank. And it's like, oh, that is so exactly what a 40 year old Darth Vader would look like. Yeah. It, it, again, I know we see him in the end of like at Return of the Jedi, but it just, it looks way better seeing the mix together because it's like you can you you see that beaut like that full transition and like you said but the costume itself allows really anybody to kind of almost take that on and that's what vader is doing he's hiding in it it's actually a blessing for whatever reason it's not illusion shattering to learn that the voice that is so um inexorable mm. from the character of darth vader is actually not even there on set like it's it's the guy talking that that was put in later like we know mm. that and it doesn't seem to hurt your reviewing of of darth vader it's never i forget all the time that 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 voice is not darth vader's voice it's james Earl jones's voice and that's good theater it's like i'm really immersed yeah. in it every single time absolutely and i mean it, if you if we went with david prouse it would have been pretty bad yeah he's got a he did he have a bad voice it's a thick scottish accent oh weird he'd sound like shrek yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey my number one is han solo in the parka on hoth in empire strikes back heavy nice. usage of empire in my list for sure in fact everything you came, had this action figure too i know everything came from everything came from the original trilogy all my favorite costumes this would be for most people probably the least obvious um sartorial uh look for our favorite renegade good guy smuggler uh two things about this look for han uh like you said another example of a costume that i had in my toy box and, and in particular mm -hmm. this is the han that i wedged between two pieces of clay when i would recreate the the carbonite because it's the only han solo action figure i had you had a more classic han solo in the vest i had a new hope han um, this is also, uh, the outfit Han is wearing when we catch up with him, like in the first ever Star Wars sequel. And now he's completely in bed with the rest of the heroes where he was kind of separate before. Um, mm -hmm. he's not quite literally in bed with the rest of the heroes, although almost and where he's not, um, he's, uh, having, you know, he's half of some of the best banter we ever, we ever get to experience in Star Wars, which we've, um, discussed many times. It's also what he's wearing during the famous Tauntaun rescue sequence when he, for the one time in his Star Wars career, gets to ignite a lightsaber. Um, it, I want only non-Jedis. There's also Especially like, now that we know Finn will become a Jedi. There's also something where like, you remember when we did an episode about our favorite Star Wars hilts and we talked about how like the remote control for the TV and the shampoo bottle can be lightsabers like it, that there's totally. something about your child, your inner child that just kind of stays with you. And that kind of like occurs to you when you hold oblong devices. Um, when I put on a parka with a fur collar, I, I always think about it. It kind of feels like I'm Han Solo on Hoth. You know what that's I mean? amazing. Yeah, that's the same that's thing to great. me. That's the same thing to me. And so I, I, I love that. I love that guy. I love that look. And uh, yeah, that was an easy number one. Oh, no, that makes it that makes a ton of sense. I mean, Han Han's a tough one because, of course, the coolest outfit, the only one you would ever in a million years actually wear is the rest of Empire's Han. Although you guess you would could wear the Hoth parka if need be. There's no reason why you wouldn't wear that. Sure. It's just you wouldn't want to wear it unless it's really, really cold. It's um, like a Canada Goose jacket. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but like, he's also got like his vest is silly. Uh, his uh, his duster on Endor is a little silly. Yeah. But Han is just a total badass. But he's also a cowboy, so the vest works. And he's got the flight pants as well to go along with it with the stripe down the side. Uh, 
Harrison Ford is like, and even like when Alden Ehrenreich does Han, they even have a good look keeping the Han Solo consistency there. There's nothing about that that isn't feel like Han Solo as well. And so uh, they brought it back, uh, Force Awakens, even funny scene with like, no, new jacket. Uh, but yeah. really, is it basically looks the same. Uh, and uh, and what would we want any different from our favorite scoundrel? Well, and I made a comment about how nobody in Star Wars wears jeans and a t-shirt, but the closest thing you might wear, like you've been saying, is like a brown leather jacket and a white shirt. Like that's... Yeah. And that it really Han is the only character I can think of in Star Wars who wears anything like what you might wear. Uh, and that's what makes him... It's not what makes him relatable, cool. although he is the character you want to be. Like, yeah. you, you watch Star Wars, and there's nobody in this you you wish you were more than Han Solo. And so it, it makes him a little bit more grounded, especially where he is kind of the grounded character who's like, he's not um, he's not subverting, like, he's not like a meta-commentary on Star Wars, but he is kind of in it thinking this is absurd and calling mm -hmm. it absurd as he goes. And so that makes him all the more human. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, that's an again an over analysis of the fact that Han wears a leather jacket, but um, no, but it, it 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 does make sense. It brings him to a little bit more normalcy and makes him a little bit more of the the human, not the not the space wizard, the human. I had a number of uh, of toys, Star Wars toys that related to Empire Strikes Back because I had that action figure. Uh, where he's wearing the parka. I also had like, do you remember micro machines where like? Oh yeah, I had micro machines too. It was like the viewfinder, like the digital binoculars, and you opened it up, and inside was like, I guess it was the the rebel base on Hoth, um, and it was like a bunch of. Do you remember that device? It was something that we I, kicked around I for a long time. I kind of do. Uh, that was yours, I think. I don't remember it that well. I remember a couple of micro machine things that I remember. I had a. Little Dagobah one. Um, we had a Falcon. Do you have a Falcon? You had a Falcon. I remember oh, yeah. that. Yeah. 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 We had all the toys. We were lucky kids. Yes, we were certainly lucky kids. <laughs> okay. We should go over some honorable mentions because there's lots of really important costumes. Yeah. I mean, there are a bunch of honorable mentions. And I, I've tried to loop in a couple ones as well here talking about some of the Stormtroopers, some of the Hans, some of the Lukes. Um, but uh, another one I did want to mention is uh, the Jawas are really ugly looking fuckers. And yep. so their little costumes make them very cute. And that is appropriate. They're little hoods. That's true. Um, and also the, the main one that I was thinking of there is how great the Tusken Raider outfits are. Oh, um, yeah, those are, that is an incredible costume from, uh, from both sides of it. The fact that that is uh, like ceremonially uh, the, the species dressed that way. Uh, but also the costume from like George Lucas is trying to make sure that like, okay, well, these are these creatures and they need to look like this. And uh, this is, I guess, how we're going to go, go about doing it. But yeah, the character uh, design that, of Tusken Raiders is really interesting. Like that they decided really to, make, to make their faces like that was is really outside the box. Yeah, completely covering their faces and just the way that they've got these like wrappings, but lenses they look. Yeah. And yeah. like the sounds that it just it, it fits so yeah. right and so on the nose. Um, there's all of the Leia outfits, uh, the, the poncho, the Bosch bounty hunter outfit is awesome. Yeah. That's such a cool one. Of course there's Leia in the gold bikini. Uh, and then of course the, the two buns in the side of her head wearing kind of the, the white dress thing. Uh, and then of course the same one during the metal ceremony where they all look their, like their dapperest. They all look nice. I, I really like the look of Leia on Endor actually. She, like when she's like poncho one. Well, no, that's true. She is in the poncho, but isn't there... Oh, like long hair and like the party after? No, that's not what I'm thinking. Maybe I'm I'm conflating different characters. 
But uh, isn't like like when Billy Lord plays like uh, she's in a costume that's kind of like a send up yeah. of how her mom dressed in in Star Wars, yeah, like, like like that camouflage kind of poncho thing that goes over top. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm thinking of. I like that Leia. Yeah. I don't like yeah, the long hair that much. Sorry, I don't like the long hair that much. No, the long hair is is is, is very. Uh, it's it looks like there's a lot of humidity on Endor there. You know what's a, a good costume that we have to we have to acknowledge is. Um, the Emperor's Guards or Snoke's Guards, like the like the Crimson Red. That's yeah, sick. that is very cool. I mean, I wanted to also let's let's talk about Snoke then. Okay, uh, Snoke in his gold bathrobe. Uh, oh, his Hefner look, stuff. I love yeah. it. That's yeah. a great, great look. Me too. It's so creepy and menacing, but just a, a really fitting but new to Star Wars look. It's great, and it was a fun way to uh, to kind of build on that character too. Which ultimately, you know, the building stops there. But like mm. he was, we if you remember, we didn't even realize necessarily that he wasn't giant. That he wasn't any more than just a projection. And so I think maybe we you knew had... he was big. It came out kind of after that he was likely uh, like seven to nine feet tall. Right. Okay. But like to see him like this was kind of a pivot from what I think we would have expected. Um, mm. And we have seen like glamorous ceremonial robes before, although not since the prequels, like on Naboo, they kind of dress like that a little bit, but uh... a little bit, uh, and and very ornate, but not even necessarily. This is it's almost especially uh, extra. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tacky. It's uh, it's 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 gaudy. It's over yep. the top to a ridiculous sense. He's even wearing like slippers, and like it almost looks like it's got glitter on it. Um, but it is also really great. And you also mentioned crimson before. Uh, this is a character I don't you 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 may recognize, but you wouldn't know the name. Sedanathano. Okay. Uh, and he has three nicknames, which I didn't realize. I I knew one of them, which was the Crimson Corsair. Uh, and his other nicknames are the Red Raider, or the best one is the Blood Buccaneer, which is a really Ooh, cool yeah. name. And so he's at Maz Kanata's castle. Uh, and uh, he's he's dressed in red. He's got a red Kalish. Uh, Kalish uh, was a species of uh, General Grievous. So he's got like a, a, a red, he wears one of those masks, but he's not a Kalish. Uh, and he's got like this kind of like big cable knit sweater and a like, a like a cable knit cape. He's just a badass looking Star Wars character. Uh, and he just screams, ooh, tell me more about that guy in the background. Um, but at the same time, it, not the same teasing as like a Captain Phasma or a Zori Bliss. Just someone where it was like, uh, the guy who got to make that, design was thrilled that they made that because that is just such a badass look nice uh so anyone who knows that one i uh would agree but uh, i lo remember looking I, I recommend looking that one up just since you mentioned zori bliss I, I i'm not a fan of that costume i never was I'm not either um it's interesting that i only picked characters or costumes from the original trilogy i think there are of course good costumes in all three trilogies but i didn't really pick any distinct jedi looks or or even more broadly i didn't pick anything flowy and like i love jedi but like i'm not a big fan of robes as it turns i'm out. not either uh of jedi robes uh or of jedis the only two i had uh or three i had and one was a jedi not trying to be a jedi and two of them are not your standard jedi looks right um uh and that would be uh qui-gon's poncho i like and, Qui -Gon's uh, poncho, yeah. and luke's leather poncho in the last jedi yeah. Um, that's, those are both really good, badass looks. Uh, but of the standard robes, uh, Anakin and Revenge of the Sith, those are really good robes for showing who the character is. Sure. Uh, the fact that they're darker and that they're a little bit less 
flowy and a little bit more just fighting ready. Um, a little bit more leather. They're they're good and badass and very fitting for the character. I, there's, um, a, there's a part of me that feels remiss not acknowledging that like the emperor so iconically his costume does so much with so little and i guess that matters yeah. um but it is just so little at the end of the day it also doesn't yeah. really make a lot of sense considering how vain he is that he wouldn't like he he wore like nice clothing as senator and chancellor palpatine like why does he just wear a black robe as the emperor because he's just around him and Vader when we get to see him usually. I guess. And so there are instances where he will project himself to the galaxy looking different. He, uh, he, he He's not someone who, like, the way that the galaxy is at this point, Palpatine does not reveal himself to many people. He's a loner at this point. He's like so obsessed with his Sith magic. Um, and he has really farmed out the duties to pretty much everybody else. And that's why Tarkin's like the main bad guy in A New Hope is because Palpatine doesn't deal with the people on the ground. He deals with his people who deal with his people who deal with his people on the ground. It kind of explains why Dooku would have been a good number two for him because Dooku was this like charismatic leader. Yeah, Yeah, and that's the reason as to why he had him start and, and, and lead an entire war against him. Right. What else? Anything else you wanted to highlight? Uh, we're going to forget some here. Yeah, we are. And actually, I, I had already, when I said that stuff about Jedi, uh, I had forgotten about the fact that I had on my bottom my uh, my other honorable mentions outside of the trilogies. Uh, and Ahsoka the White at the end of Rebels is a really cool look when she's wearing her total white robes. Uh, and Obi-Wan's Clone Wars look, where he's got a Stormtrooper breastplate, kind of, and the fact that it's a little bit armor mixed with uh, his Jedi robes. That's a really cool, nice blend to show that they're also going further away from their Jedi mandates. Right. Um, Bail Organa also has got a great poncho in Rogue One. Yeah. So Top six best ponchos. ponchos. Yeah. Love my ponchos. <laughs> um, and one that did make my top 10 uh, and was in my top six for a really long time, the last one to, to bounce out uh, along with the Leia. This, was, I guess, would have been right around number eight, I'd say. Uh, and it's because it's so goddamn cute. Uh, and it's the, like, oversized sack tunic that Baby Yoda chills in. <laughs> that thing is such a great little costume. It fits him so well. It's got this little fur collar. Uh, it, it just it, it go, drapes down to the floor and just drags along. With them. It's just it's so perfect. But let's face it, everything about that character is. You made it through a whole episode without talking about Yoda. We'll call that comment an asterisk. Uh, well, that's fair. I mean, Yoda doesn't have a great costume. <laughs> no, it's not talking much to it. about uh, puppets, though. He'd be he'd be number one, and well, Baby Yoda probably number two. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, I think that's pretty good, right? Like, we, we would definitely love to hear other people's uh, thoughts. If you have your, your top six favorite costumes list, please do uh, tweet us and email us. Yeah, one other one I do want to give a shout out to, and it's just the one I, I scrolled past accidentally, and that would be Indiana Poe. Uh, Poe does look good in the Rise of Skywalker uh, with the kind of the, the scarf uh, looking very Nathan Drake um from Uncharted, uh, it, it, it's a cool look, and uh, I, I certainly like it. I think I think it's it's a good and fitting one. Shall we pivot to the news? Anything to say? Uh, sure. Not a ton of stuff in the news. Uh, there is a Tales from Galaxy's Edge VR video game, uh, which will have Frank Oz voicing Yoda in it. So that's kind of cool, seeing that they're getting as much of him as they possibly can. Um, read a little bit about because uh, they're doing kind of little uh, character tidbits about the High Republic. 
And um, there's one interesting character. Uh, his uh, his name is Bell Zedifar, um, and uh, he has a dog. Oh, it's like it, it's a very fitting. Like it, it's called a charhound, um, but like. I think that's really interesting. And like, he does patrolling a little bit with his dog, but part of his Jedi trials will be giving up his dog. Um, oh, and shit. so I think it's, it's just, it's a totally like, so Odo left field, non star Warsy thing, but no reason as to why it can't be. I guess and no yeah. reason as to why this doesn't fit. I just thought it was a, so out there, but a, 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 a could be a really cool story. Uh, and he's the Padawan of Loden great storm. Who's like this cool looking, uh, Twi'lek, so it could be some interesting stories there. Well, there are pets in Star Wars, right? But they're droids. Like that tends to be yeah. like that tends to be what R two is, and he has a purpose, and he serves mm -hmm. a role, and he has a job. And then, so like, with a dog for so, patrolling, absolutely. And Chewie is not Han's pet. Like he's definitely not that. Ooh. Although he is based on that. Like he is based on George's <laughs> George's dog, exactly. And so, um, that's very interesting. But I'm definitely open to it. So they're just gonna like CGI a different kind of creature. Well, I mean, I guess when they do the High Republic in that kind of capacity, they would. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, some comments from people. Uh, Ewan McGregor, uh, he's very excited uh, about uh, what's coming for Obi-Wan. Uh, and he's excited to work with uh, Deborah Chow. And he did, uh, like, he was a big fan of The Mandalorian, in particular, obviously, the stuff that she had done. But it was interesting. He, he did have a, a couple things to say when he did a couple of tests. And when we were going to make a film earlier, we did some tests and it was great working with her. And I found that was interesting because timelines don't align that because it, it was already supposed to be a TV show when supposedly she came on. So I'm curious to know if that was just a misspeak or if uh, the timelines were different and they were so confident immediately after working with her that they already started to bring her on to Obi-Wan. Um, which would be no surprise, but it would be great to see that they knew that right away as opposed to even having to to let it sit with them for a little bit. Yeah, we want They knew like, oh, this was a great experience. She needs to stick with us. We want to see some commonality in the vision going forward. We can't have too many cooks in the kitchen. And she seems no, and to be think, a great one. Yeah, and it, Rick Famuyiwa seems to have a, a larger involvement with season two as well, which is great. Uh, and Bryce Dallas Howard, I think, is getting another crack at it. Carl Weathers has been on set, so it makes sense there. Uh, I absolutely agree. Taika Waititi doing a movie, having like spent some time in the under the Filoni Favreau tutelage. I think this is the right way to move forward, so that they can trust the people and they don't need to keep like kind of shifting some of them out. Um, and kind of on that note, uh, John Boyega has said some things, some interesting things, uh, and some positive things. Uh, I think Colin Trevorrow is going to tell that story, that image with Finn with the blue flag, got the ATATs lined up with the tribal marks, and stormtroopers take off their helmet. That would have been sick. That would have been dope, man, hands down. I'm a Mandalorian fan, so Lucasfilm is doing very well with the DV shows, and an animated show would be dope. We could do that from even home. Um, <laughs> that's true. What would I say to Disney? Uh, what would I what I would say to Disney is to not bring out a person of color, market them to be much more important to the franchise than they are, and then have them pushed to the side. Like you guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley, and you knew what to do with Adam Driver. You knew what to do with these people, and then when it came to Kelly Marie Tran, when it came to John Boyega, you knew fuck all. And then they gave the nuance to Adam Driver and the nuance to Daisy Ridley. And let's be honest, Daisy and Adam know this. Um, and, and Oscar Isaac. I'm not yeah, also, and I'm not exposing anything. No, that's absolutely true. It, it, it's yeah. it's something that's not really mentioned very often, but like Oscar Isaac is also a person of color, and his character just got completely wrung out as the the trilogy went on. 
That's true. Now, Oscar Isaac, it's a little different because he was supposed to die in the first half hour of that movie. Right. And they loved him so much that they kept him on. Whereas John Boyega was hired to be the star of a trilogy. Mm -hmm. And he was cast aside as a B and then a C character almost. Um, and so I don't know what I'm going to do with Star Wars. I'm alive. That's one thing. But it would depend on the story. And if Daisy or Oscar are coming back, I wouldn't want to be running around by myself or anything. And so... I think that's interesting. He brought up animation. He brought up his, he was impressed with the Mandalorian uh, and the fact that uh, he would come back maybe if it was a good project with Daisy and Oscar. And so it's really nice to see. I think there's nothing he said in there that wasn't completely true. Uh, and he has said that uh, like his castmates, like Daisy and Oscar, reached, have reached out to him to also like be like, yeah, man, like uh, I, I like good on you for, for everything you're saying. And like, he's been getting support in that regard, which is great. Uh, and that goes to show that it, it's really great that he is saying these things to Disney and that Disney is likely going to be receptive. I would think to those things because they'll want to have him back. And in years down the line, he'll want to come back because he'll remember the, the fun things better. And there will be an opportunity for probably things to be maybe done right by him a little bit better. And someone like Daisy, who had a really great arc and story told, when she comes back, it'll be able to be wrapped up in a different way. And so uh, I think it's really encouraging for the future of uh, what episode 10 could be uh, a decade down the line or whatever. I just really want to see uh, John Boyega go off and become a bigger movie star for the next little while and not mm. pigeonhole himself too much in sci-fi like he did was it like Prometheus or something? He did like another uh, franchise film. Uh, and that's that's fine. Pacific but like, Rim. Pacific Rim. I'd really like to see him like be a cool character or, you know, like he has a relationship with Ryan Johnson. Make him part of the ensemble in some future Benoit Blanc uh, murder mystery. Like that's, oh, yeah. he's built for that. That'd be perfect. Yeah, no, I see no reason why you couldn't do that. And although, I mean, he... He wouldn't be a terrible James Bond. Well, hey, that's a that's an interesting comment. That could be kind of cool. I like it. Although then he's really... He's really picking franchises. Well, that's the thing. He's really <laughs> signing on to be the face well, the awesome. face of yet another really intense and at times overbearing parental mm. franchise. But he's British, and that means a lot to Brits. Oh, um, oh yeah, I love John Boyega, and he has the... Yeah. He has the he has he the has swagger. That would be great. Yeah, I'm into that. That could be cool. Yep. Um, anyway, but like Oscar Isaac uh, actually just signed on um, just today, I believe, or we was just announced to be Moon Knight. Moon Knight uh, yeah. And that's that's Marvel. And so there you go. Uh, taking on another big franchise in that capacity and uh, always able to make it work on those things. That's right. So, of course, the most important news is that the second season of Mandalorian starts to drop on Friday and they're coming out on a weekly yeah. basis. Just one episode coming out this week. Yep, 52 minutes. That's uh, about all we know. And uh, uh, from a kind of a, a like a screen cap, it looks like we may be uh, starting on Tatooine. Oh, that's really exciting. So we're kind of taking the podcast in, in sort of a new direction in that we're uh, starting on next week's podcast. We're going to be like breaking down individual segments of Star Wars again, but yeah. in real time without really knowing exactly where this particular arc is headed. And so that's going to be really fun. Um, we're going to put our top, top six uh, lists on the shelf for at least the next eight weeks and uh, really looking forward to getting that going. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm really excited for Mando season two. Uh, we're going to get to see some more jetpack usage. Uh, some of the actors and actresses who were announced a while back that people have forgotten about. Uh, I brought up the Jamie Lee Curtis thing to to you and our, our yeah. cousin Mark this week. And both of you guys have forgotten that because I mentioned it on one of the news updates like seven months ago. So that's a pretty reasonable thing. to. It's in, and there's also probably half a dozen more people that we both know of who I don't remember and will be pleasant surprises to see. <laughs> even Oliphant. Uh, even Timothy Oliphant. I totally forgot yeah. he was coming along. And that's going to be amazing. Yeah, and when will that be? And when will Ahsoka come up? And how will these things come up? And is that Ilum in the trailer? And if it's none of these things that we know, who cares? Because we had no idea where Mando season one was going. And then we got this little green dude, and we were all on board. Yep. Um, and I, I'm excited to see how Grief Karga is going to grow, Cara Dune, uh, and maybe some of those characters from the Clone Wars. Uh, finding their way uh, into this uh, into this season. I've been really, really excited about some live action realizations. One thing you can predict for sure is by by breakfast time on Saturday, there will be some new gif of Baby Yoda that's gone totally viral because it's adorable. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. They <laughs> absolutely are loading one into each episode to ensure maximum uh, internet domination. Yes, yes. Hey, is that all you want to say this week? Uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, I started uh, the Dr. Afra uh, audiobook um, yeah. because I finished Master and Apprentice, uh, which had a really solid ending third and ultimately picked up its pace to be one of the, the, the better books, but was a solid a solid 20% too long, okay. 30, 20 to 25% too long, but a, but a good book and really uh, interesting in, in, in its specific focus on Qui-Gon, especially in that last third, and which made it really great. A lot of introspective thought, his relationship with Obi-Wan and the Council. Uh, and this Dr. Aphra book so far has been really good. Uh, she's an archaeologist, and Vader has just hired her uh, to what looks like uh, get a bunch of battle droids um, up and commissioned to have a bit of a private army because... Uh, this was right after the Death Star blew up, and uh, he needs to make himself uh, seem powerful uh, if Sidious gets pissy with him. And so it's kind of an interesting story already. Uh, and because it's an audiobook, uh, the Vader acting is sensational. Cool. Uh, and so uh, if he's also in the, the scene, there's always the breathing in the background. And so it's they're, they're quite the production value. Uh, and so, so far, so good on that one as well. I'm about... Uh, 15% in and it's uh, it's off to a good start. So they have a guy who does a pretty good Vader for the for the books. Could he be utilized in the future if they need another Darth Vader voice? Uh they could, but oh god, I keep forgetting. I forget his name again, but the guy who did um Vader's voice in Jedi Fallen Order uh, and there's some really great costumes in that, for that matter, but the video game there, he's he's an actor who is a character actor who you'd recognize immediately. Yeah. Um, and he, 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 I think, I think it's probably the best Vader. Um, it, it sounds more like 80s James Earl Jones than James Earl Jones does now. Wow. James Earl Jones is in his 80s as opposed to it being the 80s. Yeah. And so like, I, I think he's probably the best uh, choice for whenever you can get him. Uh, but there's some really great audiobook, uh, I guess, imitations that are done. Uh, and I mean, for an audiobook, if you can even get half a dozen people, there can be, I can add a, a good level of immersion. Right. But then again, you could also get somebody like who can just do a good Qui Gon and Obi Wan. And if they're the two main characters, you can make up the rest and it works. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. I want to say happy birthday on Tuesday, October 20th, which was last week, speaking of voice actors, to Sam Witwer. Happy birthday. 
Nice. And this coming Wednesday, October 28th, to Gwendolyn Christie, who, I mean, we kind of trashed Phasma a little bit tonight, but, you know, happy birthday to her. Yeah, absolutely. She was someone who, uh, another bit of, uh, seemed to be so excited and probably was feeling a little disappointed that her character didn't get to do as much, purely just because of the excitement that she had and how many, uh, circuits she was used upon for marketing the force awakens and the last jedi in particular force awakens we want to know your top six favorite star wars costumes please tweet us at recorder 66 or email recorder 66 podcast at gmail.com rate and review on your preferred podcast app and until we are together again may the force be with you